0: This is episode 725 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On this episode, When Are You Prepped Enough? with my good friends Brian Hopkins and Mick Rowlands. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. Links for this podcast can be found in the show notes. Hey, everyone. This episode is sponsored by the Top 10 on Prepper website. What that is, is a service that you can purchase for $5 a month or $50 a year over at buymeacoffee.com. And I will send you every week the top 10 articles by clicks linked on Prepper website. And so that way you can filter through all the craziness on Prepper website, all the articles that we post, eight to 12 articles every single day, and only get the most popular ones. If you are a podcast fanatic, then you can always drop them into your pocket app and you can listen to them there. Even if you don't want to sign up for the top 10, you can still go over to buy me a coffee and check out what I'm doing there. I'm using that as my social media. So I'd love for you to go and hang out over there. Well, happy new year, and I am so glad that you are hanging out with me on this episode. This one's going to be a really great episode. Um, It really was spawned, or it really spawned from an email that was sent to me from a listener about. When are, when can you consider yourself prepped enough? And there's more to it than that. Um, we get into it into this episode, but I uh, brought along my friends, Brian and Mick, to talk a little bit about this topic. And really, we bounce off of a lot of information from the exclusive email group where I kind of pose that question to everyone. And there's, there's just so much great uh, wisdom and advice over there. Now I say all that, we're going to talk a lot about the exclusive emo group that's going to be coming out, uh, you know, up in our in our conversations, but the membership has been closed for uh, at least the foreseeable future. But if you're interested in it, you can go over to the link and sign up, and I will let you know when membership opens up. And really, I've done that just to kind of help me with the back end of of taking care of it all. But I know some of you, got in on the last few hours of 2021 and so i was able to add a few more members there but uh, we will be adding members as we go out throughout this year and so i'll just uh, let you know if you're interested go sign up over there and uh, i'll give you some information all right so uh, without further ado let's jump into this uh, episode like i said a great episode with brian and mick talking about when are you prepped enough and then all the other things that go into that so let's go ahead and jump into this episode (laughs) Hey, everyone, and welcome to a prepper website. I guess I'm going to call this not live because in the past we have done this live and uh, we're not necessarily live uh, on the Internet. So we're, we're live and in person looking at each other through Zoom, but not uh, on the Internet today. I am here with my good friends, Mick Rowland of mick rollandcom and Brian Hawkins of NextStepSurvival.com. It's always good to hang out with them to be able to talk about preparedness and uh, approach it from uh, just a real practical way. And so today, the topic is when do you feel you are prepped enough? And if you get there, what is your next step? And so there's a reason why this topic has come up, and we can talk a little bit about it. Before we jump into the topic, I just want to go ahead and uh, uh, wish Brian and Mick a happy new year and just talk a little bit just catch up a little bit on what they're doing in current events and uh, we'll start with Brian. Brian what do you what do you have going on man are there any current events any things that you are watching? Well happy new
1: year and we're starting here in Michigan out with five inches of snow today so that's all fun. Um, as far as current events it uh, looks like 2022 is going to be a lot of the same hopefully a little bit uh dying down a little bit at some point this year Hopefully. As far as the, the COVID and the mandates and the shortages and supply chains and all those nice words that we got to really hear a lot about, um, some of the one of the things that I'm keeping an eye on is probably the uh, um, the shortages. Obviously, I'm in the trucking industry, so we've got the supply chain issues, and I see that firsthand. And then the inflation that goes with that so as far as the the great resignation and all that all that's all fun and everything to read about but it's very confusing uh as far as why i think everything's so complicated it's hard to understand exactly what's going on or why it's going on but the fact is it's really affecting us as far as uh you know at the pump and at the store and all that stuff so you can really uh do yourself a favor right now and start getting the things that you need at, at the best price you can. So, if something goes on sales, this is probably the time to buy it. All
0: right. Very well said. And uh, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I'll tell a story here in a little bit, but let me go ahead and jump to Mick. Mick, um, what do you have? Uh, what are you keeping an eye on? And what's going on with you in your world?
2: There's not a whole lot shaken that's different. What I'm keeping my eye on is the uh, the rollout of the mandates, because that affects eh, quite a few things here locally as to whether or not they're going to have to comply. They're all acting like they have to comply, but I don't think that's been settled yet. We're just with, like Brian was saying, there's sort of the, uh, the upshot of the mandate's going to uh, put a lot of people out of work, and that's only going to exacerbate the supply problem. So yeah, I've been keeping my eye on supplies of things as well, knowing that some things are going to get shorter and hopefully uh, you get enough of a head start or a heads up on uh, what's going to go short before it actually is an empty shelf. So Brian, if you uh, see anything running out, you have to let us know. We'll do it. All right.
0: And something that both of y'all said, you know, dealing with uh, the shortages, but also with uh, the Great Resignation, Brian, that you you mentioned, uh, I have a family member who is uh, who is employed by a big box chain. Uh, let me just say that, and they are not based in Texas. So Texas passed a law that no company could mandate the jab, right? And so uh, this this family member works for a big box organization or company that does not. Uh, is not based in Texas. So come January 1st, they're, they're going to do the OSHA thing. And so they are really concerned. You know, the, the OSHA, I guess, law was to either, you either have to get the jab or you, got, you have to get tested every seven days. And uh, it's just really weird the way they're doing it. Well, this person runs like the front area of the store and normally has 30 plus people that they're able to uh, to manage. Right now they're down to nine and, you know, she's like, normally I'm managing, I'm, I'm dealing with things right now. I am running a register all day long. I don't even take a lunch. I'm there, you know, nine hours of the day. And then it's hard to get, it's hard to get people who, you know, a lot of people don't want to get jabbed and they don't want to get tested every single week. And so they already have uh, employees who have already said come January 1st, if this is going to be uh forced or if this is the official way that we're doing things then I'm not going to be at work. So that's going to add to the shortages because there's just people who are not willing to work and and it just adds on top of each other, right? So it's really one of those one of those crazy vicious cycles that that's there. One of the things that I'm uh, always paying attention to are the protests that I see around the world. And you don't hear about these in the mainstream media it's really it's really interesting um, there are big protests there are big uh you know just people getting together big groups of people that are upset about their country uh, you know their city their state whatever wherever they're at of the different mandates and the things that they're pushing out so I'll get on Twitter and I will search protests especially on the weekends because that's when it's really it really happens i guess you know and uh, that's sort where of the majority of people come together and you will see video from all over the world of people protesting and it's been going on they're they're protesting peacefully but i think people are starting to get annoyed they're starting to really get frustrated and i think you're going to start seeing these things increase in violence you know and so that's one of the things that that i always pay attention to because eventually i feel that will uh, begin to catch fire in other places. So uh, just, I think people will get to a frustration level and then uh, are there enough police or there's a, is there enough military that can keep that in control? The other thing is just the censorship and how much more censorship is going to happen from the big social media companies. Uh, one of the, the guys that I follow, one of the ministers that I follow is Joel Richardson and he uh, posted a video a couple of weeks ago Called uh, the 2021 prophetic state of the union, and he's always a really balanced guy. You know, doesn't really go off into the the weeds and and all that kind of stuff of uh, of Bible prophecy. But he did talk about the concern about censorship and all that kind of stuff. And it was funny because his video got censored, but it was up for it was up for a good week, and then it was censored. So that was on on YouTube. So you know. Where is it going to go, and how far is it going to go before you know people get fed up? That's one of the things that I am always uh, checking out and paying attention to, uh, because you know we're we're out here providing preparedness information, and sometimes the preparedness information that we uh, share out there does run into the political realm, and and uh, that stuff can easily get censored. So, uh, well, uh, I'll end that there. All right. So the topic of the show is, uh, when do you feel you are prepped enough? And if you get there, what is your next step? So the reason this came up is I have a listener who sent me an email and was concerned that their prepping was starting to get into obsessive compulsive behavior. And they were getting into, how do I know when my prepping has turned into a disorder? And I, I kind of get that. I understand that because sometimes it can feel like that. And I think those that have been in preparedness for a while um, could maybe that that's a thought that uh, lingers in the back of your of your mind every once in a while. You know, the people that listen to this podcast, uh, it's we get a lot of new people into preparedness. They uh, see the things that are going on in the world and they do some searches. They're, they're listening to podcasts and they find uh, the podcast And so they're, they're brand new and they want to know how to get better prepared. And then we have, we run the gamut from that all the way to people who've been prepping for 20 years. And they, you know, they email me and let me know, Hey, I I listened to the show. I've been prepping for a very, very long time, but I appreciate what you're talking about. And so we have, you know, all those different views there. So I posed the question in the exclusive email group, Hey guys, when do you feel you're prepped enough? Or what advice do you have that I can share with this person. I mean, I, I responded back to this person and, and I shared some thoughts. Maybe I'll share those, uh, those thoughts a little bit later on. But you know, a lot of people started uh, giving a lot of feedback and that's what I, I really love, the, the email group. I really appreciate everybody. One of the first ones that I am going to kind of kick off this topic with was one of the first responses that we, that we received. And so I'm gonna go ahead and read it really quickly. The Todd, great question. Some things are easy, like you can set goals for specific amounts of food, water, et cetera. And once you get there, it is just a matter of rotation. But other preps are more difficult. Take, for example, a family friend. He has made a pretty good amount of money in real estate, has retired, and has been very diligently and impressively prepping the last few years. But about seven to 10 days ago, he had a stroke and was laying outside for a couple of hours before he was found. Now, he is dealing with the recovery process, which will be slow, but the prognosis is good. My one concern that I see with some preppers is that they pour a ton of time and energy preparing for some disasters that never occur, at least not in their lifetime. I have often wondered what happens when the inevitable problems like bad health from old age hit them, and they have devoted so many resources to prepping that they have neglected other aspects of saving that would be badly needed for the personal financial and health crisis hitting them. I don't have a good answer on things like this. I genuinely and pre- I genuinely pray and in prayer, prayerful and thoughtful deliberate thinking and discussions with your spouse provide good guidelines. Also get contrarian views. Maybe you are too focused on something but but most people objectively would say you are too fixated on a particular problem and are neglecting other preps that are much more likely to be needed in the future. So my first question to both of you guys is, uh, you know, this, this person, and I don't, I don't like to use names because I didn't ask for permission to use people's names and from the email group, but uh, my, my thing is, you know, what, how do you feel about getting other people's views on your preparedness? Uh, is it something that, you know, you should do, you, you should look into, um, should you be talking with your spouse about it? Uh, I know that that can go both ways, you know, a spouse who is into preparedness and a spouse who isn't into preparedness. So I'll kind of uh, leave it at that, kind of throw it that way. Mick, do you want to kick it off?
2: Sure. Um, I guess I'm uh, I'm blessed to have a spouse that's supportive of the process. So uh, I'm not bucking a headwind there. That's good. Uh, but yeah, I would say on that score, it's definitely good to involve the spouse. I mean, they're right there. So it's, uh, it's probably a fool's errand to think you're going to do it in secret. I mean, I suppose you can, but, uh, that I think would be one of the, the first contrarian views to get because they're certainly a vested interest. Uh, there is the problem of you see a, you see a problem that you're trying to prepare for. And the other person doesn't see the problem, so of course, for them, there's no need to prep for it. Uh, but if you can't sell it to your spouse, I'm thinking you're probably having a hard time with the internal logic of it anyway. So it's a good first hurdle to go through, and you need the support for it anyway because you're using joint finances and joint living space, etc., for the process. So I would say uh, you can't not involve the spouse without. Just sort of uh, kicking the trouble can down the road, but the uh, the thing with the the spouse for their perspective, I think to keep them from freaking out, it's good to be able to show a practical goal. I think that email had mentioned that in the first couple of lines about have a goal that if you're articulating it to your spouse and you're saying, well, I need to save up food, and they go, well, how much food? And you go, I don't know, an infinite supply. I don't know how much food is there. They're going to freak out and think, all right, you're, you're you're obsessing. But if you said, I want a three-month supply of food, well, that becomes a quantifiable amount. And then you can talk about it. And for another thing, they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and say, all right, once you've saved up, there's light at the end, you're going to make it, you'll have your three months, and then we're done. So. That, that reduces the uh, the freaky out quality, But when it's just an infinite thing, like, I don't know, I hear, well, not here, I read some people online who are talking about how much ammo to store. And that becomes one of those obsessive things where there's never enough ammo. And I thought, oh, really, there's never enough? I mean, what are you really planning for? And uh, that's where I think you can... Uh, You can alienate a spouse pretty quickly. If you look like you've got no plan and you've got no goal, you're just in sort of Midas mode, hoarding everything that you can find. And now they've, they've got a mental problem in the house. There we go. I've talked enough. I think it's Brian's turn.
0: Yeah. That's some good stuff there, Mick. Brian, what do you, what do you have to say? Wow. I have to follow
1: up on that. That was brilliant. Um, Yeah. um (laughs) Yeah. The uh the spouse thing, I'm I'm fortunate uh with my wife as well. She's uh, I, I'd I'd say right now at this point about hundred percent uh on board. When we first started, and I it, it was never really a first time it was it's was never us just saying let's save a whole bunch of uh food and, and fuel and all that kind of stuff. It was it's just steadily built. We were already doing a lot of that. But once we dedicated a, a room for a pantry and we started off small, not with trying to save a year or six months, even it was just maybe a, you know, a few weeks, a couple of months worth of uh, food in a pantry. She started to get on board with that when she needed something and didn't have to jump in the car and go to the store. She could go in there and get it. So the, just the convenience alone. Also, like right now, as a side note, as things are going up in price, we're doing less buying and more using. We're we're going through our food a little bit quicker, but we're not spending those high prices on the shelves right now. So it's actually a savings. And she sees that and appreciates that. And she talks about it. You know, when she'll she'll bring it up all the time because she works at a grocery store and she'll talk about the high prices and 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 and, and thankfully we have a lot of that already in stock. As far as the um, uh, getting input from others. That's the, really the, one of the, probably the biggest benefit of the email group that you've uh, started there, Todd, where we can we can get input from like-minded people um, that we're not necessarily living on top of. So like if without that, we'd have to either maybe go to Reddit or something like that. But if without the internet, we'd have to f- try to find other people in our neighborhood and that can get difficult. So we can get a lot of input. We can ask questions. Even the even people that aren't um, actively on board as far as uh, they're just lurkers, I know they're benefiting from, from the conversation, just going through the threads and, and reading what other people are doing. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into how much is too much yet. I had to be skipping ahead. Right. So,
0: yeah. I mean, if, if you feel like you have something at the tip of your tongue that you want to get out, go for it. Or we can, you know, we can get to it a little bit later on either way.
1: I just, I, I tend to just go on and on. So I just wanted to rein myself in before you did it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, we can get to that. I, you know, there's going to be all different kinds of ideas on how much is too much. And uh, we will definitely get that to that one, maybe at the end. How about that? We'll do that. out of where. Yeah, I, I agree with you that the email group has been a, a tremendous blessing. You know, before that, you would go to forums. Um, I just don't know too many forums that are really, really active, and I'll, a lot of the times it's 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 all guys in the forums because it'll be based on uh, maybe you know some, some other reason, you know, like bushcraft, firearms, whatever, uh, survival in it, you know you'll see a, a lot of men in there. Uh, our email group is, um, is pretty balanced as far as men and women. And uh, we get a lot of great views. I'm so glad that a lot of the times I'm just blown away by the, the great ideas that are shared in there. And um, so that, that's it's really great because I was thinking if you were to get other views, now you've got to do that. You know, go to forums. you got to go to social media. you got to get it out there. And it's, you know, it's out there attached to you in, in that form. You know, when I think about talking with my spouse and and getting getting that going, really before we before we even started, uh, I started a prepper website before I really got into preparedness. I, I always go back to the time when uh, we were dealing with uh, Hurricane Ike, and so uh, we, you know, we went through Katrina, we went through Hurricane Rita down here, and in or during Hurricane Rita, we were really it was just really eye opening. Uh, how the stores were completely wiped out. And so I know that they're always wiped out for hurricanes, but it just, it wasn't as apparent. I think with Katrina happening, it freaked everybody down here so much that everything was completely gone. And so then uh, when we experienced that, the next time around Hurricane Ike, um, I think it was like right before I really got into preparedness or maybe before proper website, uh, my wife went to the store and she went ahead of time and she was she was set. Right. I mean, she did, did all that on her own and she had the water. She had everything that we would have needed to get through the get through the hurricane. Yeah. So I think a lot of the times when we're talking with our spouses and getting them on board is going and talking about these things that, yeah, they, they have some familiarity with. You know, if you're up north, you, you've, you've dealt with blizzards, you've dealt with snowstorms, you've dealt with those different kinds of things. Um, I think people are dealing with blackouts and stuff. And so you can kind of always base it there and kind of go from there. So uh, I think that's always one of those great things to, uh, to remember and to, to go from. Yeah, I, I agree with Mick. If you're coming from, I'm preparing for the polar flip. Uh, polar shift and, you know, we're going to have an ice age and we need to get, you know, cold coats and, and Huskies to be able to, you know, drive from here on out. I think that's going to be a problem now going from that question to the next one. So this next question is what about a spouse that has allowed you to prep now? I mean, it's a lot easier nowadays because I think a lot of people have experienced the shortages, especially in the grocery stores and stuff. But let's just say, I mean, there's still some people, and I know there's some people in the email group who have had this situation, but let's say that you have a spouse who has allowed you to prep without saying anything, with, without really you know, getting into it, um, but then starts to question, when will it end? And so there was an email response to this one that just kind of, I, 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 I remembered here. And uh, this one said, I felt convicted recently about prepping plus my husband was getting mad at me and kept asking, when is it enough? I've stopped for now until the Lord leads me otherwise. So what do you, what do we do with that, man? When our our spouse has allowed us, you know, it's really like, okay, this is their hobby. This is their thing. You know, they're prepping, uh, you know, there's some benefits here. I can see those kind of things, but it's continuing on and they start questioning when is enough. We can always go back to the, to the plan that Mick had, had mentioned, but are there any other ideas that you can share? Brian, I'll, I'll kick it to you. Um, first,
1: going back to that you know, outside input, we need to ask ourselves, are they right? Are we getting carried away? Because I know in, in my case, I have done a lot of things, and, and my wife's quick to straighten me out. You know, It's like, how much hand sanitizer do we need? Do we really need 50 gallons of that stuff? It does have a shelf life. And then now here we are close to two years later as this stuff's going, you know, not good for much longer. You know, it's less effective. We're trying to donate it all over the place because I got carried away and I I needed her her point of view on you're just getting carried away. So we have that nice balance going on. So that'd be my first thing. Are they right? Um, sometimes we need a little reality check, and uh, and it, and if if they're maybe uh, resisting it because of finances or something. I mean, we don't want to. I know that when I first got started, I was running up credit debt and everything else when I probably shouldn't have, trying to um, stock up on this or that when running bills up and that was the wrong approach as well so maybe maybe uh maybe they have a point and if and if you determine that no they're they're just uh they don't have quite have a grasp on it the best i can say is just try to to get them involved in a conversation as far as you know sitting down like how what are the you know and this is part of my uh preparedness action plan that i put on the blog is uh sit down and figure out what's more, the most likely event you're going to have to deal with. And some of them, any one of us could have to deal with, right? So well, some of them are universal, death in the family, sickness, car accident, that type of thing. And then, and then, you know, like in your case, your hurricanes, in my case, you know, I don't have to deal with the hurricanes, but, you know, severe weather and that type of thing. Um, if you live in, a, in in a city, you know, like Chicago or New York, maybe you need to worry about the riots. So just, Run all that across with your with your spouse. Determine what the most likely events that you're going to have to deal with, and then how long you think would be adequate as far as dealing with that. So we we already know that you could be spending a week or or more uh, locked down, isolated in your own home. So we already know you need that, even though that I believe they just reduced the, uh, the isolation time down to five days everything's fluid right now. So all these things change. We're dealing with a different variant. Maybe we get a, you know, two months from now, maybe we get something that's even worse, you know, and, and takes longer to, to run through its course. So, yeah, we can't always just go by, you know, the flavor of the day, you know, so we know, we know that. I mean, there's so many different um, ways to, uh, you know, like you said, we all we're all witnessing it over the last couple of years it's not it's not just the crazy preppers you know with their bunkers and everything anymore i think <clears throat> we probably increased uh preppership prepper membership tenfold <laughs> you know just people not necessarily calling themselves preppers but going ahead and um, understanding that they need to get some stuff up in the shelves and and our we we're kind of here trying to guide everybody so. Water, right, and that type of thing. But yeah, I think I think um, if you have to, uh, if you're having a difficult time with your spouse, I think it's just try to sit down and look at it from their point of view, and then have that conversation and and, and let them have the, the input. You know, try to find how long you should be preparing for and what you should be preparing for.
2: Some good
0: points there, Brian. Mick, uh, what what do you have to add?
2: I was going to say that Brian took them all, but I guess he left me a couple. Uh, It is, I think, helpful for the perhaps not quite totally on board spouse to be focusing on something that the spouse can see that, yeah, this is a problem that could affect us. So like you say, the polar shift thing, that's always been a tough sell. In fact, I'm not sure why anybody bought that, but, but people do. But you know, you go to your spouse and say, you know, I think uh, a comet is going to strike the earth and it's going to extinct the dinosaurs and we're going to have to live underground. And she's thinking, all right, this is way wacky. Uh, But, you know, like you say, down your way, if you say, well, we're preparing for a hurricane, spouse can see that and go, all right, there's a practical value. This isn't just wackiness. Uh, That helps so that they can see, like Brian was saying, that you can say, well, if we've got the food, then it's right there. So it's sort of like your own grocery store. So there's an immediate practical value. So it's always easier to sell an immediate practical value. So that's a good thing. Although the idea of obsessing spouses, it occurred to me that that's one of those features of marriage. If you've been in it for a while, you can see that spouses have their hobby, whether it's golf or whether it's fishing or something, they've got a hobby and usually the other spouse just kind of rolls their eyes and gives you a little a little leash to say, all right, you just go dabble in your hobby and just leave me alone. But it's when it starts to become obsessive, you know, like somebody's buying new golf clubs every six months and it's starting to become a financial strain. Then the spouse says, this is more than a hobby. This is starting to become a problem. I was uh, amused remembering that there's a, a couple that I know that he's a fisherman And she likes antiques. And they they both have their hobbies, but they were both obsessing that he was a fisherman and he had three boats in the yard. How many boats do you need? You know, he had this weakness for somebody was selling a boat. And uh, I think the old phrase is there's nothing more expensive than a free boat that uh, he ended up obsessing over boats that filled up the yard and she obsessed over antiques so that she couldn't not buy an antique and her whole attic was full of antiques the house is full of antiques so she was saying to him how many boats is enough and he was saying to her well how many antiques is enough well neither of them had a goal and neither of them could see the other person's end point so it was a uh, it was a bit of a contention i'm happy to say they're still married there are fewer boats in the yard some of the antiques got outsourced so yeah, you know, it's it's resolvable, but the uh, the problem is that obsession point where you've lost sight of why you're doing it, and it just becomes a thing unto itself. I think Todd, you had a a topic a while back about fear, and that's I think one of those drivers for obsession is when you start to become so consumed with fear of whatever. Like you say, the polar shifts. So you're thinking, I have to get huskies. I have to train them to pull a sled, even though there's nothing but grass and sand right now. That you uh, <clears throat> you start to let the fear drive you, rather than it being a practical response, like a hurricane. Sorry, right, We're going to need food, water generator, but you don't need huskies for a hurricane. So, you know, having a, a practical response becomes, uh, I think, a buffer to that obsession. So if you know you're trying to solve a problem, at some point you've solved it. If you've just got fear, you're never really going to solve that problem. Fear just stays there.
0: Yeah, good good, good stuff there. You know, I I was thinking, what was the thing that triggered the spouse to say that? You know, to say, hey, w- what is enough? Was it talking about something, you know, way out there post-shift, you know, um, you know, nuclear war, uh, zombies, whatever, you know, what was it that, that, that caused them to do that? Because I think a lot of people like right now, going back to where we are in society with the shortages and stuff, I think a lot of people would be okay with getting a little extra food and getting extra water and getting extra toilet paper and getting extra, you know, hygiene items and and different things like that. Even you're hearing people talk about um, their vehicles, right? And and you might not have heard it unless you had to deal with it, um, getting you know getting a car fixed or whatever, getting the parts or you know getting tires. Uh, people are. I I read an article where someone said, look, if you if you're wanting to get uh, some tires, uh, you know if you know you're going to be getting tires here, you know in the next couple of months, go ahead and get them now, just in case you can't get them when you when you need them. So looking at it from that standpoint, I think. A lot of people would be on board, but you know, what was it that it was was the trigger? You know, was it the you know, the, the the weird real the the really weird thing, you know, that, that you're talking about that kind of can get you out there? And it's really easy to do that in preparedness. One thing will add to the next, or that will add to the next, and and by the time you know it, you know, you are you are fearing, you are worried about everything that's going in there. And and when you allow fear to take over. Um, it can be overwhelming to where you don't make any kind of moves at all, and so maybe maybe listening to a spouse who says, "Okay, hey, what when is enough enough?" Uh, maybe that is is helpful to get you to get back and and, and to reflect. So moving on to the next question, um, it, it was just uh, this idea. So we know that it's important to prep. We we understand that. I mean, most people listening to this podcast are okay with that. But then is it important to understand that we have to get to a point when we just make do with what we have? And we, you know, we're able to say, okay, I can't do this. And then we we get to this point. So there was a response. I wanted to read it. It's a, you know, it's a, a few paragraphs here. So let me just read this one really quick um, as we, as we move forward. And then I'll kick it over to, uh, to Mick. We'll, we'll just go back to you. Boy, this takes me back. I remember when I first got into preparedness. If you're taking this seriously, you have to have food and water for the whole family for a year and at least 1,000 rounds of uh, ammo put back. And anything less was just preparing to fail. Of course, back then, everyone was going to bug out. How they were going to do this with 2,000 gallons of water was beyond me, but I digress. I think that the only honest answer to this question depends entirely on a person's comfort level. The reality is that our grandparents had to make do with what they could pull together. Having a year supply of dried goods on hand is incredibly easy with inexpensive bulk foods. Nobody is going to love it, but it's possible. I don't remember Pappy telling me about barrels of food in their 10 by 20 skid shack, but I do remember him talking about eating whatever they could get their hands on when the company store was empty for a month or so. So with that, I think that your ability to make do can greatly impact your view of how much is enough. So things I know I need to have on hand, lamp oil, for instance, and we have an old school washboard and bar laundry soap put back. Yes, we have actually hand washed our clothes to experience what that entails. Outside of those types of things and dried goods, everything else is a comfort item looking through Pappy's eyes. I strive to be like Pappy. Being like him is enough. So... Mick, is there a point where we just have to make do with what we have? What do you think?
2: Definitely. I mean, uh, maybe part of our problem is we get a sort of 20th slash 21st century tunnel vision that we have to live off what came from a store. And so, well, if that's the case and there's no stores, then I have to have 50 years supply of Twinkies because all I can eat is Twinkies. You know, I have to sort of come up and take a breath of air that, Life there's life outside of that uh, consumer model. I think of like he was talking about his pappy that if you go back to the 1800s, let's say, and people who really worried about a grid down event, they always say, "Oh, it's going to kick us back into the 1800s," as if that was one of Dante's levels of hell was the 1800s. That back in the 1800s, if you look back at it, they didn't have bunkers full of MREs. They didn't have, you know. Many well, I guess if you talk about a grain silo, they they had food stored away, so they were being prudent, kind of in the Joseph way, but they weren't obsessing over having great piles of stuff because they would make do. They would grow new food the next year, so you didn't have to stock up five years worth of freeze dried food because you knew you were going to grow more. Now the prudent one, they'd have enough left over that if it was a bad year. You know, you could uh, ride it through a bad year, but you weren't obsessing because you were planning to make it yourself. They'd go get their own water. They'd make their own clothes. So there was a lot more make do because they were doing it themselves rather than waiting for a factory or a store to do it so they could buy it. So I guess to kick it back to uh, when do you think you've got enough is do you get to that point where you think I could get by? with whatever this is. Uh, I think of like the uh, two is, yeah, two is one and one is none, but do you need 15? You know, at some point, you know, you just have to say, I'm going to, I'm going to MacGyver. I'm going to improvise after that. That's what people have been doing for thousands of years. So uh, you don't have to wait for a factory to build it. You can do it yourself.
0: Good stuff. We, we like the, the MacGyver aspect of it. Brian, what, what do you have to say? I want a Twinkie now. Um, <laughs> well, you should have a
2: whole shelf full back there. Yeah,
0: I
1: don't. You know, I I'm, I, I found a hole in my uh, pantry.
2: There you go.
1: Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because you were talking. You were talking about. Uh, you know what? As far as having too much of, and I was going through the pantry not not even a couple of days ago, and I started to realize why do I have so many can openers in here. You know, so we all hear like, "Don't count on your electric can opener." So I thought, well, I need a can opener, and somehow that ended up being in a half a dozen of them. And that doesn't count the two of them that's in the uh, the kitchen drawer in there. That's just in the in the pantry here. So it's like, you know what? If all these, if 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 the uh, the event that I'm preparing for, it lasts longer than you know a half a dozen. Uh, can openers we're just going to have to learn how to open a can by rubbing it on a brick right so or or poking a hole in it with your knife it's just too much they're all over the place so yeah we um, as far as the washboard I thought that was cool Um, that that's kind of a last resort type of thing especially if you start considering if you have no running water then everything gets very difficult right I mean canning is uh something that um you know that our uh elders used to do for lack of a better word used to to do and, and our grandparents and everything used to take care of but they did have water and then you go beyond that they had a well so most of us don't have a well where we can you know uh, with a little hand crank in a bucket type of thing if we have to drive or you can't if you can't drive now you're really in trouble if you have to walk a half a mile or you know, even a tenth of a mile and get water to wash your clothes and can and everything everything gets really difficult so in a case like that I guess you could get by you know without preparing for it but there's some things that you just don't want to face like that toilet paper Todd, you don't want to have to you don't want to have to just to deal with, you know, uh, at a certain point, you just stop, right? So I'm not saying you need a whole room full of it, but it, it goes right back to what we're preparing for and how long of an event and um, imagine it taking. So for us, it, we're, we've gone a little overboard, but you can't really prepare for that, that comet coming, right? It's funny. I just watched that. Did you guys see that that movie with the uh, "Don't look up"? I, I watched uh, that movie, and I it was it was it was all right. I kept waiting for them to prep, and then it dawned on me: you're not going to prepare for that because it's a world ending event. So there's no, you know, it's like a, you know, pointless to to prepare for that. And that's that's the case with a lot of a lot of things, the extreme things, you know, with the the ice age coming and all that. It may be pointless to try to uh pair for something to that degree unless it's intimate right you, you you know it's coming the scientists have not the ones at the cdc but the real scientists have told you that uh, it's happening and then uh yeah i guess that's i don't know if i covered that or if i answered that question because i kind of went all over the map but
0: yeah i no, no, you're good you, you made a good point you know if there's something that that you know already in your heart of hearts or in your mind or in your preparedness that you definitely do not want to do without, you know, that it's like a, you know, it's like a deal breaker. Uh, that could, that could be something that you focus on and something that you would be okay with stockpiling more than you would think is enough. Right. Um, I, uh, it was funny, you know, recently we were talking about, uh, toilet paper with some people that I know at work and other people. So some people were like, I-, I don't see the big deal about it. Right. You know, the shortages or whatever, if you don't have toilet paper, there's always ways that you can clean yourself, you know, and they started talking about that. And other people were like, I just know, but I don't want to clean myself that way. The way you're describing that is nasty. And other people were like, no, I wish I would have listened to you a little bit more. And I would have stockpiled more toilet paper, you know, And uh, so you had people on both sides. So some people are like, Hey, I'm okay with doing it this way. Others are like, no, this is like, it was really a deal breaker having to run around all these different stores, finding toilet paper. So I don't want to be in that situation again. So that's where we were talking about, Hey, look, if shortages start ramping up again, you want to, you want to go ahead and, and have it. So uh, I, I think that's uh, one of those things is that, yeah, you have to, you, you just, you wind up making do. And the, th- the thing is, is, I go back to the, the hurricane thing. When, when we had Hurricane Ike down here and I was, uh, I was an assistant principal on a campus, we had people who were without electricity for uh, maybe a week or two and they were living at home. There was just, they just didn't want to pack up and go move to a family members or, I mean, there's people, you know, other teachers were like, Hey, come, come live with us for the week until you get your power back. And they just didn't want to do that. So they were just making do, they were making do with flashlights. They were making do with generators. They were making do with those different kinds of things. I remember that there was this teacher who didn't have electricity for, for uh, that, that whole week, but she would come to work with her hair wet because she had taken a shower in the morning and she brought her blow dryer to, you know, to school and she would blow dry her hair there and put on her makeup there and, and different things like that. So she, she was making do with whatever needed to happen. And I think if we ever get into that situation where we really truly are in a, you know, poop hit the fan situation, we do make do, we might not like it, but we make do with what we have and, and how we need to move forward one of the things that I've always seen uh, that I, I try to warn people against is they try to take their life. And I think Mick kind of uh, uh, talked a little bit about this referenced this. They try to take their life right now, the way they have it right with, you know, the 21st century uh, everything that they have air conditioning, all that kind of stuff. And then they try to look at an SHTF event, whatever that might be. And they want to replicate their current life right now into that. And, there's just really no way, unless you have tons and tons of money and you have ways of doing things. I mean, even eventually, at some point, things are going to fail and things are not going to always be, uh, you know, what what you need them to be. So I think you need to have that mentality at some point that things are going to go uh, downhill and you can't always. You're not going to have what you what you always had, um, even in an emergency if it's a hurricane or blizzard or whatever. You just you just make do. So with moving on to that. I mean, some of, you know, y'all, y'all already alluded to this. Are we talking about stuff that we're preparing, you know, that we're stockpiling that we are, you know, putting into our pantries and different things like that? Or are we talking about skills that we need more skills? There was a response from one of the, in the email group that said, I never feel as though I'm prepped enough, but I'm talking about things and stuff preparedness and self-sufficiency are a continual learning process not just how deep the rice and beans on my shelf are. There's always something else I could learn or become better at right around the corner. My pantry is packed with long and short-term food so that I can weather just about any situation. It's the replenishing and maintaining of that pantry and supplies when I may not be able to afford or locate replacements that I focus on now. I feel as I am a perpetual student, always learning and seeking out other ways to do things in the event the usual way is not viable." So, with that said, Brian, I'll kick it over to you. are we are we talking about stuff? are we talking about skills are we talking about both? What do, what do you think?
1: First of all, that person needs a lot of credit for uh, being that perpetual student, right? So that's that's what we, we we need to become all of us, even those of us that feel like we're we're ahead of the game. we're really not because things change and uh, just like. I believe that was say it was you the that said most of or no that was in it one of the responses you read somebody said 20 years ago we were all gonna bug out how it's the, the tides change a lot of us have determined you know what that's probably not the best option um so yeah um i I feel like it's it's more it's not necessarily um, skills as far as like how to start a fire or, you know, 15 ways to cook a meal and all of that. I mean, those are important issues, but a lot of the things I think we need to look at like things that mix accomplished there, as far as um, having chickens and, a meat source and, and eggs and, and a garden and all that type of stuff. So those are probably the the more relevant when we're um, looking at, as far as food and that type of thing. So that self-reliance homesteading lifestyle, not everybody's not going to be prepared to do that. If you're living in Manhattan in an apartment, you're not going to probably want chickens. Your neighbors are going to probably frown upon that. But, you know, there are other things that you you might can do. First of all, get out of Manhattan. But the, uh, yeah, the uh, skills are are what's going to carry you. So I, 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 rem, I, it's been years. I don't rem, remember the, 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 the guy that made the video, but he went out into the woods with a knife. Now I'm, I'm not saying any of us should have to get to this point, but he made the point to where he went out into the woods with the only tool he took with was a knife. And he was able to, to either create or, or, you know, find food and shelter and water and even clothing everything with just that one knife that's that's really extreme right there but though that's taken a whole lot of gear that most of us would have to have in our pack to survive just for a couple of days in the woods and he had the skill level to be able to not have that stuff but uh and, and again i'm not saying any of us should be running out into the woods i'm just saying the, the more skill that we can bring into our homes, the less maybe that we need to worry about stocking up on. So if you can grow your vegetables, maybe you don't have to start going and buying the, the canned goods from the store all year long. Maybe you can can some of your own or freeze it, dehydrate it. And those are other skills, right? So we've learned to can and dehydrate and, and all of that type of thing. So whatever makes the most sense as far as what your goal for your preparedness plan, that's probably the... Uh, those type of uh, things you should try to, to learn. And, you know, with the videos and, and everything online right now, it's, it's virtually a free beyond a college education that you can get right now in a shorter of time.
0: Yeah, that, that's good, Brian. And when you were saying that about, uh, the, you know, going out, you know, to the wilderness with a knife, um, the idea is it's the principle behind that. And I don't I don't think the video that you're talking about was from Dave Canterbury, but I do remember him saying something along the lines of, you know, if you have the skills that you can manufacture whatever you need out there in the wild, right? You can you can kind of make it, you can build it if you have those skills. And that principle applies in in everything, in in all of preparedness, because there might be times where um you know when we had the freeze down here in Texas people were improvising and that's that you know going back to that macgyver you know that macgyvering uh you know survival whatever it might be is you can figure that out you you might not be able to get eggs at the grocery store but you need to bake this cake so you find you know an alternative to use to be able to get whatever it needs and if you know that already right then you're able to just go ahead and and, and go there without having to uh you research it if if the even if the internet is is around and available and all that good stuff. So uh, Mick, let me kick it to you. What do you think?
2: Well, I remember on the <clears throat> on the email group, one of the uh, topics that had come up was about that mindset that one of those skills the original poster was saying is that ability to be more MacGyver than consumer, where like you were talking about with the toilet paper, if somebody really just can't imagine any other way to do the job than toilet paper, they've already got a problem. They need that MacGyvery skill of saying, all right, so I don't have toilet paper. What am I going to do? Well, not stay the way you are, obviously. You're going to do something else. It might not be your first choice or your favorite choice, but you have to have that mindset to be able to embrace the alternatives, which is, that's a skill in itself, which was the original poster's point was that <clears throat> that mindset to be able to embrace the alternates and look for the other way to do it is a skill and a lot of people don't have that and they need to practice it but on the point of skills it occurred to me too that it can almost become an obsession in the same way that stuff is that you can want so many skills that you're really never going to need them i was thinking of i was into knot tying for a little while And yeah, you can learn a half a dozen knots, you can learn a dozen knots. But after a while, you know, being able to do a Slovakian overhand double twist knot, do you really need that? Probably not. That you hit a practical point where you can say, all right, I can tie enough knots that I can keep the log from falling on me. But after that, it starts to get kind of esoteric. So I would think a spouse would probably frown on you deciding you're going to do everything in the weekend with a knife just so you can practice using your knife because she can think, yeah, that's not going to come up too often. So maybe let's not worry about that skill. But still, skills are good to have. I mean, that Slovakian knot might be handy someday, but you don't have to obsess over it. Well, I'm, I'm coming to you for all my knot-tying Oh, no, I've only got the half dozen. I gave up on the Slovakian thing. After that, I thought, eh, never mind. I'm still working on a square knot for crying out loud. They all turn out the wrong way.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right, so another comment uh, from the group was, uh, the pandemic was a great way to test your preps. I ran out of canned tomatoes and toilet paper. It seemed like each incident leads to another learning curve. The biggest problem I have is trying to live life, believe that God is present, and have some trust in people living in fear every day is just too stressful. So I have a personal limit on the stuff and I keep a watchful eye out for trends, but I do not have canned foods holding the walls of my house up. So I, I love that, uh, that last little phrase. There, I don't have canned foods holding, holding the walls of my house up. So the thing is, is it, is it important to pay attention to trends and adjust uh, the way that we go uh, because living in fear or being in constant fear is overwhelming is that something that y'all do I mean we've already kind of talked a little bit at the very beginning um, things that we're keeping uh, keeping eyes on but is it something that is important to preparedness Brian let me kick it to you
1: yeah um, we get right back to you know a healthy dose of keeping up with what's going on without being obsessed over it so um, without getting all promote and stuff I I just did my last yesterday on my personal blog, a, um, a weekly roundup of the news, and that was me reading and curating, just linking to not, you know, not writing the news, not trying to be a reporter, but just sharing what I had, had gone over for the past week, anywhere from 100 to 150 different news reports. And uh, that's a little exhausting, Not not the reading part, not finding the time, but just it starts to wear on you. So it's, you you can get really obsessed with it. I wasn't really doing it to be, you know, uh, you know, to try to stay informed for myself, but for, for the readership. So, you know, I had a a different goal there. And uh, as far as uh, like politics and all of that thing, I try to avoid, you know, like I've, I'm completely off of Facebook and all that deleted account and everything. So I, I don't go on and, and do those pointless arguments and all that type of stuff. If you even want to call that news, but you still want to know, like, you know, like they're talking, you know, and avian flu or something, you know, another bird flu, like, cause you know, cause COVID isn't enough right now. We have to have something else going. So, um, but something like that, if that starts to get out of hand, you want to be aware of it. Um, and you probably just a couple of minutes a day is all you need. Um, I would recommend to do to learn. Uh, I don't. I think you have a. Uh, don't you have a a podcast or a, a blog post, Todd, on how to follow the news on on Twitter rather than having to rely on the twenty minutes of the hour long broadcast that you get on your TV every day, which is really hand picked and and almost always has an agenda. So you can. Really, do yourself a favor by, uh, you know, finding a better source of news. Did you want to? Did you want to speak to that, or maybe yeah. you want to put a link?
0: Yeah, I, I, I know that I've done it before. I've done some articles on how even just keeping up with all the articles that we post on proper website. But uh, I, I think I have done something on <laughs> on how to get into Twitter or whatever. Uh, I'll have to look for it and uh, try to find where that's at. But uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I recommend. That's what I suggest. Uh, I use Twitter all the time to be able to keep up on what's going on. So.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people are are trying to stay away from the social media, and I agree with that a hundred percent. And sure, they're tracking you and everything else. But if you're carrying a cell phone, somebody made the point we're all worried about. You know, getting a chip in our brain. But you know, we're, <laughs> we're carrying a chip in our pocket everywhere we go. Um, so we're already being tracked i'm not saying that twitter's necessarily the 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 best option for a lot of people but i i believe that you can't even watch any news reporter or news organization that's not focused on on that platform so i mean personally i've i don't communicate with them but i have them in a in a list of you know the local uh reporters that i that i like in in my area and then when they send out a tweet you know they're it's usually generally before they even it's uh, gone live you know they're they're on their way to go to go investigate something so that's pretty cool um but yeah that's again you can get carried away with that right so we don't want to be so obsessed over it so we just want to keep a keep up with what's going on follow follow the uh the trends, but then at the same time, don't become so overwhelmed by it that it starts to fog our ju- judgment and make us get, you know, carried away in in the wrong directions and everything. Because ninety percent uh, of what we're worried about just doesn't happen. It's just always it's always been like that. This it's never going to change.
0: All right, good stuff, Mick. What do you what do you say?
2: Well, following up on what Brian said, uh, yes, you do have to recognize that mainstream media news outlets are in the business of selling fear. That's kind of their product that uh, they're, if they had a news cycle where they said, oh, well, here are the five things that went great today. And here's more good news. And a puppy was rescued from a drain. Or you know, if that's all they did, they'd lose readership because, unfortunately, fear sells. And so you kind of have to recognize that that's what they're selling. And if you let it appeal to you too much, you kind of get sucked in the vortex. And that's more or less what they want, not to get conspiratorial about it. But from an advertising dollar point of view, they want you to stay afraid and keep tuning in at 11 or whatever they used to say. I don't watch TV anymore. And I didn't stay up until 11 anyway. But uh, another point from that original uh, email you read was, what are you putting your trust in? And to let it drift off into uh, the religious for an aspect, if all you're trusting in is your pile of MREs, they're going to let you down. That if you've got a trust in God, that He's really in charge of all this, the CDC isn't, and certainly not the sock puppet in chief, He's not in charge. That if you're trusting in those things, they're going to let you down. If you recognize that God's in charge, then even if everything crashes and burns, and you know where you're going, you kind of like Paul really shouldn't be too worried about where you're going because, or the end, so to speak, because you know where you're going. So that takes a lot of heat off of realizing that you're in God's hands, and He's he's got your back, so to speak. That doesn't mean that, like in Egypt, they aren't going to go through those seven years of bad times. But He'll be there with you in the seven years. And if it doesn't work out for you, he's still there at the end. So there is a problem of what do you put your trust in? And if you put your trust in earthly stuff, it's going to let you down. Where I think uh, the verses where uh, moth eats and uh, thieves steal, if you're putting your trust in that, eh, you know, you're you're just set up to fail. So just to let it uh, drift into the religious for a moment. You have to recognize what you're putting your trust in. And is that really where it ought to be? Uh, good stuff. And what I would, you know, actually your, your response there kind
0: of leads us into the next question. Um, I'll save my response to that question number five uh, to a little bit later on um, when we kind of close this up. But I guess that next question is what helps people move beyond the stuff to instead prep for the mental and the physical And spiritual health. So, all all three of those things, we talk about stuff, we talk about things that we need to have, but what about those other things, the mental, the physical, the spiritual health of it? Um, Mick, you've talked a little bit about that. Is there more that you want to add to that? Um, I know you talked about spiritual. Is there mental, physical there
2: that you want to talk about? Yeah, I guess, again, not to uh, keep selling the email group, but another one of those topics that had come up was do you get so obsessed with prepping that you have no family life? And, you know, that's one of those important things. If you're a dad, you've got kids, you really should be the central focus in their lives and being there for them in the same sort of provider fatherly way that God's there for us. Are you doing that? Or are you so busy out at the range and working on your skeet shooting that you're not there as a dad, that, you know, you really do have to balance that and the reward of that comes in that there's a lot of joy that can be had in life if you're not letting yourself get sucked down the fear hole. That there's a lot of joy. Are you experiencing the joy? Because it's there. I mean you just may be ignoring it in favor of something else. But that's part of that balance. I mean if you've got the joy you can see I need to all right I'm going to need some more food so I can feed my kids as opposed to so I can stay in my bunker and wait until the radiation goes down. That you uh, you have more of a, a fulfilling life, I'd say, and that that can make everything just feel a whole lot less crazy uh, because it's out there. You've got a life, you've got a spouse, you have someone that loves you, someone that you can love. You can do things together, other than survive in the woods with a knife. You know, go to a movie instead.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think that answers a lot of the other questions as well. If your spouse felt like she was getting the or he was getting the attention that they uh, were craving, maybe they do feel like your preparedness is taking, um, you know, taking over your life and taking all your attention. Going back to that other response, that email response that we mm-hmm. read, where the, um, the person said that this, this person retired early, they, you know, they were prepared, uh, you know, to, you know, really, really well, and then they had a heart attack, you know, and so it, it's, it's one of those things too to, to consider. Brian, uh, let me go ahead and kick it over to you. What do you, what do you say there?
1: Well, I love the, Nick just gave me a brilliant idea for a new blog post sucked down the beer hole. I really (laughs) liked it. So I just wrote it down. Um, Yeah. um, We have to be, as far as mental health, um, we have to be cautious as far as letting things, it kind of goes back to the news media No, not, 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 Turning us into obsessive and feared, fearful people. So, um, some some of the uh, some of the preppers and this stuff that we see online, we see. I'm amazed at some of the questions or some of the the things that they're saying. Like, um, what's the quietest generator so that my neighbors don't come and take it? Or, and when it does happen, I mean, during a power outage, we always see where somebody's generator. Um, was stolen out from under them while they were sleeping. But, you know, as far as like trying to have invisible solar panels, or, or my favorite is the one for a Dakota fire to where you can go out in your backyard and cook a meal without your neighbors smelling it. So, I mean, that's, get, that's a little bit, um, if you're that fearful that you're afraid your neighbors are going to come get you, that's probably not that healthy, you know,
2: for your mental state. I always thought if you're that afraid of where you live, you need to live somewhere else.
1: Yeah, yeah, amen, right? So, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it's better to try to you know work with that community and try to, to develop a a, um, a neighborhood plan type of thing. But yeah, it's just trying not to get so obsessed, and it's easy to do because um, I don't, if, if only I knew an author dystopian type of author I could talk to them about this but we love to read these books and uh, listen to the audible and all that stuff and I've got probably 300 or over 300 books in my audible library right now and and the vast majority of those are dystopian type of because I love that but at the same time those are stories right so it's not you know 10 minutes into the, into the book and they've already shot three people. It's, it's, that's not real life. And I think we need to be able to separate um, those stories with, with real life. Just, and, and just like the bugging out scenario, you know, we all thought we were going to have to put on a 70 pound pack and then, you know, throw a 40 pound pack on our six year old child and and have them pull it with a wagon or something and go out in the woods and try to hide with all the other masses that did the same thing you know, and hunt with her knives. And it's just, we, ne- we need to uh, keep things reined in a little bit and, and apply some common sense to our 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 plan and our scenario and, and, and what, what we're working towards so that we're not causing not only the uh, undue stress on our own selves, but with the people that have to live with us, right? So our wives, children, other family members, you don't want to be that, that person that, you know, you call somebody and they don't want to answer the phone because they know you're just going to go, you know, um, on a tangent over something or another, just like politics. And we've all got that relative. Right. So you can get the same, same way with, uh, with prepping.
0: Yeah. All all really good stuff. You know, for me, the default is always in the spiritual. Um, And a lot of the one star reviews that I've, that I've received for this podcast have been when people are like, "Yeah, oh, you're too religious. I'm not listening to you anymore." Or, uh, you know, this is too preachy. If you want preachy, you know, listen to this. Uh, you know, it's been a while since I received one of those, but I've never made even when I was writing articles and people would would say, "You know, I'm never going to come to this blog post or blog again because you know uh, this should be a preparedness blog, not a religious blog." And I'm always like, "Okay, hey, go take a hike, man," because. For me, the most important thing is my spiritual walk. I mean, the reason I'm in the preparedness is because of a time of prayer that I spent years ago. Actually, during this time, during the, the, the winter holiday break that, uh, that, it, that it happened, you know. And so for me, that's always my default. So I know that when things start getting carried away in other parts of my life, that I I'm always going to go back and I'm always default to that and ask that question. You know, Lord, is it? Am I getting too far off over here? Am I spending too much time over here? Um, I want to make sure that that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing according to God's will. But I think one of the other things too is that this physical aspect and just being able to be real with yourself. You know, guys, guys don't always or they're the worst at it as far as, you know, like I feel that little pain or, or that, you know, oh, it's nothing, you know, I'll, I'll just go and and, and take that and, and uh, deal with it. But, you know, the last couple of years I've, I've uh, worked, it's been more of a sedentary uh, type job for me because I've been sitting in front of a computer as opposed to being on the campus when I was always running around. I mean, I, I never took a lunch when I was on the campus because there was just never time. Uh, I would always take a bite out of my sandwich and leave it on my desk, right? And, and it's kind of the same. I don't really take a lunch now, but I eat at my desk. And so I just spend all that time and knowing that the physical aspect of it, uh, of my body, and I, I know I need to do something. So that's part of uh, being able to be self-aware of who you are and, and where you're going. And I think that's why it's always good to be surrounded by people. though The, the lonely prepper, the person who is just all prepping by themselves and, and uh, you know, they, they don't have anybody else that they can talk to and ask questions and, and bounce things off of. I think that's a, a real, real danger. And so I think having those people that you can confide in, having those people that you can talk to um, you, online, definitely. And we, we all appreciate that because sometimes it's hard to find people face to face but if you can find people that are real live in front of you you know whether that's your spouse or, or or people other guys or you know women other other women that you can talk to i think that's always going to be important and so uh, having those people that can help us see the other side of what what we're doing and help us uh, see things from a new perspective i think that's always going to be important so let me flip it here and let me ask this question. Is there a danger, like feeling that you are prepared enough putting in and whatever that means, right? That you, you're like, Hey, I'm good. I've prepared enough. I put enough stuff in a closet. I've got enough stuff in my pantry. I, I have, uh, you know, enough ammo. I have enough of this, whatever it might be. And then just kind of like closing the door on that. and like, I'm ready for the apocalypse. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and go on with my life and go on from there. Uh,
2: is there a danger with that? Mick, what do you think? I'd say yes, just not to be too uh, knee-jerk about it. But anytime that you uh, close the door and say, there, I'm done, it smacks of hubris where you think, I'm so smart. I've got it all figured out. I'm done. I mean, I can remember telling my dad once, sitting on the couch, I must have been like 12, You know, the wise old age of 12, and told him that because I had completed an algebra class in school, I thought, And I told him, I said, you know, I think I know everything I need to know now. And he, he, well, he had your reaction. He laughed. And I thought, why? I know everything I need to know. Well, I was 12. What did I know? But, you know, if you have that kind of hubris of thinking I'm done, well, that's kind of an indication that you're not because there is that whole mental aspect of it. And even then, you can always fine tune things uh, as opposed to kick back. This gets back to that. Where do you put your trust? If you're like that, uh, the farmer, and I think it's Luke 12, that said, there, I've got grain, i got it all in a barn, I'm going to kick back and relax. And then God says, oh, yeah, and you're going to die. So, you know, there, there's going to be something that you didn't have, that you weren't ready for. That kind of the way I see it with a lot of stuff that I've been doing is that you can spend, I don't know, I'll just pick a, a number. You can spend a couple of months working on something and get yourself like 80% prepared. In that two months, but it could take you another year just to add another 10% of preparedness, just because that last part is a lot more time consuming. Well, rather than spend a whole lot of time on that last five or 10%, go find another area and get it up to 80 so that you've got a whole bunch of things that are at 80 instead of just that one. So, uh, that's sort of diversifying. And then speaking of diversifying, I was thinking back to, uh, that earlier comment about the guy who was all prepared and then he had a stroke and was laying in his yard that on the email group oh there I go promoting again anyway uh, on that e- on the email group there was somebody that said should i sell my you know cash in my 401k and sell all my goods and basically buy a bunch of preps and i thought i don't know this is kind of like people that are you know to sell their clothes and wait on their rooftop for the rapture that it's just a little too overcommitted to one one possible outcome that if you're prepared for the apocalypse, but you don't have anything financial, then you're, you're really putting all of your eggs in the basket that things are going to go bad, and you're not going to need the money. But And not to make myself the model, but I'm kind of hedging my bets, and I'm leaving my 401k in, and I still have insurance, and I'm still paying the mortgage on the house, because what if something doesn't go bad apocalyptically? And I'm going to need the money, you know, for healthcare or whatever. So it's kind of that same diversification. Don't get all done, close the closet door, and say you're done. That even in the financial world, you're still hedging your bets. That all right, I might not need the MREs. I might need a thousand bucks for emergency room or whatever. So uh, staying diversified, I think, is part of the key to that, rather than uh, Being in the position of saying I'm done now, I close the door as if you could ever really be done. But you know that attitude is putting a little too much trust in the closet.
0: Yeah, no, I I love that idea of um, what what you were saying there. And then I just lost it; it was on the tip of my tongue. I had a comment. That that's because I, I talked too long. Well, you know, it was just I had it and I was like, I didn't write it down, I didn't jot it down, and that's what happens to me. I'm getting I'm getting old there. But i will kick it over to Brian. Maybe it'll come to me as Brian. Maybe Brian will say something that'll uh, trigger it for me again. Go for well, it. Well, if bro. you remember, blurt it out. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Brian.
1: Yeah, I, I love the diversification thing that, that that makes talking about. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. So it's just me and my wife right now, as far as in the house, of course, we have uh, family and children and everything in the area. But for this the two of us, we're probably pushing or maybe even beyond the two-year mark as far as what's in the, the pantry. And we talked about a little bit earlier, how much is enough? And my, my wife and I both agreed, let's rein this in a little bit. It's, it's getting carried away. And you know it's getting carried away when, um, when rotation starts becoming almost a full-time job right so where you're going in like wow we got you know we have to eat this whole case by the next 30 days or something you know so you know it's uh, but like to to mix point we can slow down on this aspect but now it's time and and I like to look at it as uh, the next phase of prepping right so for for us anyway it might be the first phase for for other people but Maybe this year we're we're seriously thinking about chickens, even though our community doesn't allow it. You know, we'll we'll, we'll just gonna do what we have to do.
2: Put and, little um, gnome hats on them and tell them they're lawn ornaments.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're or, or or they're droids, right? They're, they're robotic. And and I I'm gonna uh, just kind of transfer from there. And and then a lot of the canned goods. You know, speaking of, you know, I I thought that was funny when when you I'm looking in my my room here where I'm at and it's one of the uh, comments on that you read, Todd, was my walls aren't being held up with walls of canned goods and, and mine are, right? So I'm like, so we've gotten away from a, we're trying to let those dwindle down a little bit and be replaced with our own home canning. So we've been doing a lot of that rather than buying cans of canned vegetables and that type of stuff and even meats. At the store, we're doing our own home canning, and uh, that's just moving from one next. So I don't really think that there's an end for most preppers, unless it's truly to end, right? Maybe, maybe our prepping can come to a complete stop, and we just transfer again with the, you know, diversification or, or move into another area, or just get right with God because we've got two weeks to live or something like that. We don't have any family to carry on what we're doing at that point. Or maybe if we do have that comet that's coming in and they can't divert it or whatever. If, by the way, it's kind of scary that in the news, some of those things I was reading as, as it seems like NASA and the government's focusing a whole lot on trying to divert something. And, and I, my my prepper conspiracy mind's like, huh, what do they know that we don't, you know? So, but yeah, if you have something like that, you know, to where, uh, you know, you've just given two weeks to live and you don't, you're not married, you're on your own. And, and, and all the stuff in your house or whatever, is just going to be one of the, a burden to the people that have to, to clean it out. You know, maybe that, maybe you want to slow down something, or maybe complete. you know, start using that up and, and focus, uh, focus your preps on your spiritual side rather than, uh, you know, physical. So short of that, I think it, it just doesn't end. You just move it from, from one thing to the next because nobody is completely uh, prepared and it's just a lifestyle it's really not it's not a project is what i'm trying to get at it's it's a lifestyle and we've kind of gone you know jumped in with both feet but a lot of the people listening right now probably are uh not quite there yet you know so we don't want to we don't want scare them away but it is a lifestyle that, in my mind
0: anyway well, you kind of you got us into that last question there um, that I kind of added is, you know, when is enough enough? But I will go back to, I remember what it was that, uh, that uh, I was going to say when Mick was talking about, uh, you know, the end of the world. I can't remember what it, exactly it was that he said, but for those of us who've been in preparedness for so long, the world has been ending. <laughs> it's like, there was like, I don't know how many different types of endings we were supposed to have already, you know, with 2012 and Shamita and the economic collapse and this and that and all the other things that were happening. I mean, there's been so many opportunities for the world to end. And uh, yeah, that's what it was. Your Mick was talking about like if I sold all my stuff and I was ready for the, the end of the world, you know, uh, and, and nothing happened. You know, I would be in a world of hurt. So you have to have that balance. So I'll, we'll end it off with this uh, this last question. You know, when is enough enough? Brian, you kind of uh, talked a little bit about it, but we'll come back to you if you have something you want to add. Um, Mick, what do you what do you say there? When when is enough enough?
2: Well, I guess it gets back to the goals idea of uh, you. Know, you if you set a goal, like, let's say you've got a year's worth of food as your goal. uh, But as Brian and I were talking offline, uh, you know, eventually whatever you've stored is going to run out. So per Brian's comment about what's the next phase, for me, it was, all right, I can store X amount of food or whatever, up to a point. But then knowing that it's going to run out, now my next phase is what are my renewables? How do I go about making more of that on my own? Like, Ryan was talking about canning his own vegetables as opposed to buying cans. That uh, That's why I got into the chickens, got into the gardening, put a hand pump on my well. I thought I could store 55, you know, 100 gallons of water, or I could just have a pump and go get it whenever I needed it. That uh, there's the next phase, I'd say, uh, like for when is enough enough, you have to recognize, well, I can get up to a point where I've got enough stored stuff to let me do it myself, which is you know, kind of the old 1800s way, you just, you had enough to live until next year when you were going to grow the next crop. That's why you had animals so that you'd eat some of the animals, you'd grow more and you'd eat those. That uh, that next phase is working on your uh, your renewables. And even then, eh, I mean, you don't have enough in that sense because it's a, a future garden. So there is no enough, but you don't need 15 rakes. You might want two in case one breaks, But, you know, at some point you say, all right, I've got enough to do this job and I'm going to be ready next time. There and again, you can fine tune it and say, well, I grew tomatoes and I'm going to work on growing better tomatoes. But at least you're already growing tomatoes. And for me, it's like potatoes. I can't make potatoes grow here. Uh, They're either uh, tater tot sized or the voles eat them all. So, you know, I've I've got gardening challenges I need to solve but I'm not going to get panicky, fearful over those voles angry. Yeah. But not fearful that, uh, you know, there's, there's gardening things for me to solve. So there's, there's skills beyond the storings of stuff there. I'm done.
0: All right, Brian. Yeah. Have anything to add to that?
1: You know, me. I mean, I've always got something to say, right? So, um, yeah, I'll just kind of take it to, to my own personal uh, experience as far as, a generator and fuel and that type of stuff, because I know that's a, is a heavy topic with prepping and it kind of relates to that. So we a generator, then we replaced our generator. Then we get a second generator. Now we have 60 gallons of fuel. The whole point of all of this was to be able to not keep power running into the house for our convenience, but to ration that fuel out and run the generator. This is my own preparedness plan, right? This is what I'm getting at. It's all in a plan to be able to run for 30 days four hours a day is what what we have enough fuel for and a backup generator if we need there need to to run our multiple refrigerators and freezers that we have in the house to start slowly moving things into a from freezer to refrigeration thawing them out that way a safe way to start canning that meat so that we're not losing literally thousands of dollars worth of meat and, and food right so that was the whole point in that. But then the next thing you know, you're starting to think, wow, look at these new inverter generators. I need one of those. See, that's the point to where we start getting in. Enough was enough. You know, and I have a wife that's quick to say, um, whoa, whoa there, Sparky. You're, you're getting carried away now. We have bills to pay. So yeah, I mean, once you've accomplished, maybe you need to go back and reevaluate that preparedness plan. But the, the best way to know when you're, you know, when you're getting carried away or when enough is enough is to look at what your ultimate goal was. And, and once you start moving beyond that, maybe it's time to move on to the next uh, item. Maybe you need to focus on, you know, more water storage or expanding your garden or, or any number of things. Like I like the rake uh, analogy that Mick said, maybe you want to learn how to pair a rake or your tools, you know, have, have a, uh, the equipment, the tools, and the and the knowledge to do some of that just in case you can't go to the store.
0: So, yeah. I, I think for me, one of the important things is to, to know yourself. And that's my advice that I would give to anybody is to, to know yourself and know what um, you're capable of and know how far you're willing to go. Because some people are willing to go really far going without other people are like, I never want to go. I never want to be in a situation with without, you know, Twinkies, right? Going back to the Twinkie thing. Uh, I want to have, you know, a year supply of Twinkies or whatever. So you got to know yourself of what you're able to do. you got to be really honest with yourself. You know, one of the questions that kind of stemmed it, and I talked about it at the very beginning was someone sent me an email. It's Todd, when do I know that my preparedness hasn't gone into obsessive compulsive behavior? And the thing is, is like, you know, we've already kind of talked about it a little bit is, you know, are you, are you hurting yourself? Are you hurting other people by it? Um, Are you, you know, hurting yourself financially? You know, all those different ways of, of hurting yourself. And the person that, that, you know, after I responded, they went back and they did an inventory of what they had. And after they did an inventory, they felt so much better. So knowing yourself, doing an inventory of yourself, knowing what is you know what you're capable of, what you're willing to do, what you're willing to put up with, what you're willing to invest in, all those different kinds of things are going to be very important because everybody is at a different state. So knowing yourself, if your if your spouse is on board, bringing them along uh, with you, and like, hey, what are we? You know, where are we? Where are we going? Where are we going? You know, how far is enough? You know, what? Where is enough for us? You might be in a situation where you and your spouse are are okay with only preparing for a blackout or preparing for a blizzard or a hurricane, and that's where you want to stop. And if that's it, that's fine. That's good. Maybe you want to be, you know, you're going to go a little bit deeper than that. Uh, Maybe you want that one year supply of toilet paper. You've got, you've just got to know who you are and what you're comfortable with and where you're going. And we always talk about it. And that's the most important thing is having a plan and sticking with it. That is the most important thing. So, guys, good good stuff, good topics. Hopefully, we've helped some people out there uh, on that. Well, let's end it with the survival tip. And we always we try to do just a quick survival tip uh, in, you know, around the, the meeting, right? So, around the topic of what we were talking about. And so, uh, I'll kick it over to Brian and uh, let you kind of go from there what is your survival tip here
1: well my survival tip is is we're the first day right now in a brand new 2022 again happy new year to everyone listening and this is a you know uh, perfect time to get that uh preparedness plan going and and like you were talking about evaluate and inventory and all that and start start taking a serious look at the what what's most likely the event that you're most likely is going to disrupt you and your family and what it's going to take to uh, curb the pain that you're going to feel from that. So whether it's, and, and, and don't get so wrapped up in the economic collapse or the, the EMPs and all this other stuff. It's just um, common sense type of thing. And I, and, and I just stress this, especially if you're just now getting started um, food, water, shelter, uh, medical supplies, your health. Um, we touched on the health a little bit too. You know, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but this you know happens to be January the first right now. Or I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. I don't know when this is going to air, so maybe I should have. But the, um, yeah, the, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a you know a New Year's resolution that that dies down in three days. Just like you know, buy an exercise equipment or anything, but just. You know, make a plan, set some goals, get somebody on board and just start easing into it. Even if if you're brand new or if you're been out here for a while, just take stock in what you have, reevaluate and, and move forward from there. Don't let the, the doomsday scenarios and all the bad news that we see all the time. It's very hyped up in a lot of cases bring you down and uh, steer you in the wrong direction. So it's just to stay focused, stay persistent and uh, move forward and enjoy yourself too. Don't let it, don't let it take you down mentally.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. And we're recording on the, on January 1st, but it'll be released tomorrow. So January 2nd, Uh, just, you know, so it's ready for Monday morning. So Mick, what do you, what's a survival tip do you have for us?
2: Well, I guess keying off of our uh, conversation, I would say uh, seek out an alternate to something that's important to you, and explore another, another way of whatever that is. Uh, I mean, it might be as simple as I love potatoes; I always eat potatoes. Try eating rice for a while. You know, just give it a try. Uh, embrace the alternatives. See it as a um, a learning and growth experience to uh, to try something different and. Just for uh, the alternate way of doing it, uh, if nothing else, you end up developing a little more confidence that whatever that one thing is, I do have another way I could do that. And after you've done that one, do it to another one. Just, I guess, uh, as an overall topic is just try and embrace some alternates just to get used to them because your might your life might need that. Good stuff. I I was
0: thinking potato flakes. I thought that that's what you were going to say. Like, I can't grow potatoes, but my alternative is uh, I'm going to stock up on potato flakes. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe you don't like potato
2: flakes. I just want to grow it, whatever it is. And I can't grow (laughs) potato flakes.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, my tip is try to include the whole family in preparedness as we've been uh, talking about, you know, getting prepared. Um, there's a couple of different strategies that are out there. We've talked about it before in the past. If you are a parent, you have—I uh, mean, of course—if you are, it's just you and, and your spouse. I mean, you can tackle it that way. But if you have kids, younger kids, you can always involve them in camping, building a fire, uh, learning how to cook from scratch in the kitchen, those types of things. If you have older older uh, kids, uh, be stealthy. You got to be stealthy, right? Uh, you can still take them take them camping but you don't, don't ride them so much. I know people are like, I'm going to take my kids camping and they can't have any technology or, I mean, nowadays kids, if you're talking about teenagers, technology is their life. I mean, that's their, that's their lifeblood. So way to get them to completely check out is to take away their technology. So don't, don't do that, but take them camping, expose them as much as possible. If you've never done that before, Uh, I like playing what if games like, Hey, what, what would happen if this happened or, you know, those types of things. Watch some survival movies, maybe read some survival books. And when I say that, I'm uh, being, you know, I'm recommending to be very careful about what you choose. Um, you're not going to watch, you know, The Road with your teenage son or whatever. But uh, I don't know, you might, depending on on who they are. But I mean, things like Hatchet and things that would have some kind of survival aspect to it, I think would be good. And then if you're a parent, you have kids that are older; they're already out of the house. You could always give them. Preparedness gifts. Uh, you can bring up topics without necessarily hammering them about being prepared. Uh, bring bring up topics that get them to think. You know, um, I mean, and do it without being that crazy parent. Uh, there's there's so many. I know so many people that that have really wanted their family members to be prepared that they've that they've hit preparedness so hard that now it's like you know that's that crazy prepper family member. You just you definitely don't want to be that. So guys, um, we're going to go ahead and end it there. Um, I want to say thank you to Brian and Mick for coming on to the podcast and and sharing some ideas here. It's always a a great treat when you're able to get different points of view from different people and we all bring different experiences and we're all different parts of the country and all that good stuff. I am going to include some emails and things that are going to be in the show notes so you can go check that out. Um, some from Brian, some from me, from Mick. I, I want to remind everyone, Mick has uh, released his new uh, episode on his, uh, on his podcast, uh, his, uh, I guess, book, book two. Uh, we're kicking that one off, and so that's always good. Haven't, I've downloaded it. I haven't listened to it, so we're really excited about that. You want to give anybody a, a quick teaser, Mick?
2: Um, well, if they were listening to book one, this uh, picks it up. Now that uh, Martin made it home, now what? Because the grid is still down and the stores are still empty. So you can't just celebrate and say, yay, I'm home. You still got to carry on with life. That's what he's got to do. And and Martin talks to us and shows
0: us how to sleep on the couch because he brought a woman home from, <laughs> <laughs> from Boston. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, thanks so much for hanging out and uh, being a part of this one. Uh, y'all have a, a, a great new year and uh, God bless. Bye now. Bye. All right. Well, once again, Mick, Brian, thanks so much for hanging out with me on this episode and just sharing some wisdom about when you can be prepared enough and all that th- goes into that. Um, uh, Guys, don't forget, I am going to link to some of these articles and other destinations that we have in the show notes. Uh, don't forget about Mick's podcast over there. He's uh, just got into his second book. And so you can go download that first episode over there. And so um, just uh, greatly appreciate what these guys are, are doing. And then just spending a little bit of time with us on their Saturday, giving us that time to be able to record this episode. So greatly appreciated. Go, uh, Go show them a little bit of love over on their blogs. With that, guys, that's it for episode 725 going into this new year. Hey, don't forget, if you are new and you are not subscribed, make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app, and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self reliant information, head on over to prepperwebsite.com where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.